This week, my responsibility is looking at Exodus 28 and 29, uh, two chapters related to the priestly garments and the consecration of the priest. Um, these two verses will focus a good bit of our attention on make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. How many of you ladies are seamstresses? Sewing is, is one of your areas of gifting. We've got a couple, some embroideries. We've got a few more hands going up. Uh, Kate and I chatted a little bit about our crafting worlds, and she said knitting is, is one of her areas of specialty. Uh, this is a section that used to intrigue me when I was early getting back into doing woodworking. That's going to sound sort of strange. The, the ways I connect, my brain connects things that other people look at and say, those aren't connected, John. Uh, I have four brothers. One of them's back here in the back, and we're very different from one another. One of the ways that I have some differences for my brothers is in the crafting world. Uh, we all had the same fifth grade teacher. Her name was Miss Manley. Actually, Tony Woodall's wife's grandmother, who taught music, and she had crafting exercises throughout the course of the fifth grade year. We worked in leather. Uh, we worked with, I, I remember one of the projects is she had this huge book of wallpaper samples that we had a pattern and we cut these long triangles out and then we used this glue and we rolled those on toothpicks to make uh, beads that we made a, a necklace out of. Am I working? It's on. Check, testing one, two. About ready to pitch the towel in. Maybe it's. Is it coming on? No. We'll have to turn them all okay. off. Okay. Reset them all before we get Let's don't do that. I don't mind holding it. I won't talk too much with my left hand <laughs> or my right hand. <laughs> I can switch off, ambidextrous. But Miss Manley was the one who sort of nurtured a seed of creativity, of crafting, and uh, just recently bought some new slacks, and the pockets on these new slacks are so shallow, when I sit down, the coins in my pocket would fall out. Last Sunday, Deborah was down under the seat, and I was wondering, what is she doing down there? And she was retrieving the coins that had fallen out of my pants' pockets. 
And we were talking about it, and I said, I, I want a coin holder. And she said, you talking about one of those little plastic things that you squeeze? And, and I said, no, I'd really like to have something like I made in the fifth grade with Miss Manley. And she said, well, I still have it. And so now it's in my pocket. Um, she had a pattern. We cut it out of a couple of pieces of leather and then used the big punch to punch the holes through and then wound this cabling through and punched the hole and put the clip on so it would snap together. And many years later, it's still available. Uh, I'm sure the majority of them have long since been thrown away. But you see, mine was held on to because I put some silver coins in it that I felt like one day they'd be even more valuable than they were then, and they resulted in this being held on to, and now it's serving this functional purpose. What does that have to do with making clothes for the priests? In this whole section of creating the furniture that would go in the tabernacle and preparing for the priestly function, there's this thread of the, the role of craftspeople. Skilled woodworkers, skilled weavers, people who use their hands to create things that now take on a, a special place. And in, in many senses, it's very artistic. It's, it's incredibly beautiful, as I imagine, what the inside of the Holy of Holies and the holy place in the tabernacle would have looked like. And I think about these clothes that were to be made for Aaron and then passed on to his sons after him when they would serve at the high priest role. A little bit of an aside, since I retired back in January from my work with Final Command, uh, different folks have asked me, you know, what's, what's retirement like? And I said, well, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm doing more crafting. I'm doing more wood turning, things that I enjoy doing. Uh, one friend of mine, when he first heard that I was planning to retire, he said, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. And I said, well, actually, Trent, there was a mandatory retirement age for the high priest, 50. You weren't eligible to serve until you were at least 30. And at 50, you're to step aside and pass it on to one of those younger men in the lineage of Aaron. He looked at me sort of shocked. I'm way beyond 50. Now I'm not served, haven't served in a high priest role. Uh, but this idea of serving for life, just because of retirement, I've not stopped serving. I've, I've, I still serve God in my retirement. In, in my efforts to try to take some of the things that he's created in our world and bring them to light. Uh, 
Uh, from time to time, I'll turn a bowl, post a picture on Facebook, and folks will talk about, oh, you've made so much beauty. And I said, well, really, I just allowed the beauty that was there to shine. This morning, I have a, a bowl with me. This, this really isn't going to be much more about my crafting, but this is a, from the persimmon tree, the famous persimmon tree that was appeared in my sermon the last time that I preached, I think it was three weeks ago, uh, where I used a section of it to make the, the bell for a horn. And uh, I brought it because David and Lauren gifted me the wood that was deadly to their dog, and they needed to get rid of the tree. And David wanted to know, have you turned persimmon? you think you could get something out of it? Well, this is the bowl that I turned out of a, a crotch section where it's starting to split into two limbs up above. I didn't put any of the beauty in this wood. God did. God's given us incredible natural resources to provide for our needs. And yet there are times when he calls upon those craftspeople to make special things for special purposes to remind us of who he is and who we are and who we're supposed to be in relationship to him. So in my weird, bizarre way of connecting things that aren't connected, I, I went on this little excursion of what are some of the jobs in our world today that require specialized uniforms and gear. So just a few, uh, next slide please. Uh, what are some jobs which require these specialized uniforms? Next please. Spacesuit, there's one designed for a particular location and extreme conditions. Next slide, please. Scuba diving. Got to have some specialized gear to protect yourself from how cold the water is and that it'll sap all of your body's energy away. Next slide. Firefighters. Ryan, very familiar with the purposes for these different items of clothing. When you think about the high priest and what Exodus 28 reveals about the priestly garments, and we're going to read this chapter in just a moment. I want, I want you to think and I want you to listen for sort of the purpose for some of these unique elements. Next slide, please. Here's a, a artistic presentation. Something of what the priest in the garments would look like. Aaron's garments were to be beautiful and functional in, which way, in ways which are significant, appropriate for him approaching the Holy Creator. So let me read from Exodus 28, and I want you to listen with this in mind. Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priest? 
make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled men to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so he may serve me as priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priest. Have them use gold and blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen, the work of a skilled craftsman. It's to have two shoulder pieces attached to its two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Mike Randolph is into gem cutting. You might ask him about the process of engraving a stone. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings. Diane's into some jewelry making. She might be able to give us some insight into some of these passages. Mount the stones in filigree settings, fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold, like a rope, and attach the chains to the settings. Fashion a breast piece for making decisions, the work of a skilled craftsman. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen. It's to be square, a span long and a span wide, and folded double, then mount four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, there shall be a ruby, a topaz, and a beryl. In the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and an emerald. In the third row, a jacinth, and a gate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. For the breastpiece, make braided chains of pure gold like a rope. Make two gold rings for it and fasten them to the two corners of the breastpiece. Fasten the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breastpiece and the other ends of the chains to the two settings attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front. Make two gold rings and attach them to the other two corners of the breast piece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod. Close to the seam, just above the waistband of the ephod. 
The rings of the breastpiece are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband, so that the breastpiece will not swing out from the ephod. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. What's beautiful, intricate, and ornate is also purposeful and appropriate for its context. When Aaron enters the most holy place to make sacrifice once a year, he's not coming in as a solitary individual. He's coming to God representing the people of Israel. And when he goes out from the holy place, he's not just representing himself, he's representing God to the people. His role is to serve as a, a mediator, an, an intercessor, one who's between them. We continue reading, make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth with an opening for the head in its center. There shall be a woven edge like a collar around this opening so that it will not tear. In our study of Mark, we're about to get to the section where, you know, Jesus is crucified. And one of the things that happens that stands out is his tunic is taken off. And because it's woven in a special way with the opening for the head, that it will not easily tear, the soldiers actually play a game of chance to determine who gets to keep. And this is a piece of clothing that bears a striking resemblance to this description of the high priest. Other parts of Jesus' garment, they separated and the different soldiers took, but one took away his special garment. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sounds of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out, so he will not die. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cloth to it 
or cord to it to attach it to the turban. It's to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate. Whatever their gifts may be, it will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. Weave the tunic of fine linen, make the turban of fine linen, the sashes to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and headbands for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. And on the description goes. Last week, uh, Greg shared with us the idea that sometimes in our culture, we're so casual that we bear the risk of being flippant with the idea of coming into God's presence. For the high priest, there was to be careful attention to detail. There was to be intentional representation of mindfulness. Imagine anywhere you go walking, there's a tinkling sound because you've got bells. Let's go on to the next slide. Uh, here's another that shows the golden bells down at the bottom. Uh, I did a search, Google search, for uh, photographs or pictures of high priest garments. And I'm ashamed to say most all of the guys were far too pale skinned uh, to suit me, uh, being Middle Eastern individuals as they would have been. But anyway, uh, it's fascinating to, to check out the ways different ones have envisioned what the clothing might have looked like. Um, but we, we see some of the elements that are clearly present. These four rows of, of stones engraven uh, with the names. There's debate over which order they would have appeared in, like it really matters. Uh, the fact is all 12 are present. There's the engraving on uh, the, the gold band around Aaron's forehead. Uh, there's the presence of the Urim and the Thummim in the folded ephod. Always over Aaron's heart. There's a seriousness uh, an appropriateness, a reminder of who he is, whose he is, what he's there to do. This representative role. 
Now remember in an earlier passage that I preached from, the whole nation was to be a kingdom of priests. So in his function, in his serving, a part of what Aaron is doing is training the nation. How do we represent God to others around us? And in the New Testament, that refrain of us being a kingdom of priests, a, a, a holy priesthood. I want us to think about how do we represent God well. Are there things you do with your hands that could be offered as gifts for God's glory? Not so much to dress a, a single individual, but to use God's gifts to you as a reminder to yourself and to others. God's the one who's creative. I see Jan back here. Uh, one, of, one of Jan's many talents is making uh, beautiful pieces of stained glass. Jan, when are you moving? Uh, I'll pause for a moment. Jan's son, Josh, lives in Texas, and her grandson is there with him. And she's put a contract in on a house and will be moving soon. And we're going to hate to see you go, but we understand the desire to be close to your family. We'll miss you. We thank you for sharing your gifts. Um, our sign out front before it was recently updated had a piece of stained glass that Jan created to visualize the uh, logo, uh, uh, an artistic piece in the logo. And we've held on to it, Jan. Uh, we, we need a little repair on a section. If you've got time before you go, but you probably don't. Um, how can we use gifts of creativity that God's given us. To praise his name. How can we, in, in the ordinary use of those gifts, give him glory? Those are some of the questions that this chapter, these two chapters bring to my mind. How can we do the things that we do to consecrate. Notice chapter 29, verse 1. This is what you are to do to consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. To consecrate is to set apart, to designate this for a special purpose. What in your week is consecrated to God? 
Are, are there blocks of time? Are there things that you're creating that you can say, Father, I'm bringing these into reality for your glory, for your purpose, for your recognition, so that others will know that you live and you're the one who created everything and then created us in your image and gave us an assignment to care for this world. A part of what attracted me to wood turning is some of the most beautiful pieces come from the parts of the wood that other woodworkers usually discard. The crotch section has such irregular lines, a, a, a small burl has such irregular grain that most woodworkers throw it away. It goes in the fire because it's impossible to split it if you saw it and then run it through your planer, it'll have all kinds of torn out wood. But the slower, more careful process of turning often can bring something beautiful out of some of the most interesting gray lines. As we pay attention to God's intentionality, maybe there are things that we've overlooked. I doubt Miss Manley, 50 plus years ago, ever thought somebody would be talking about her she lived to be 100, 99, and very late in her life, she was in a nursing home, and she still played the piano most days there at the nursing home. Her creativity was contagious for me. Who are you inspiring? Who, who would you like to inspire? How can we pass on some of what we've learned and what we've been gifted to be a blessing to others? Aaron and every high priest after him was to be a visual representation in, in a graphic way of we're dealing with God. We're coming into his presence. As I thought about clothing and I thought about my life and reflected on some of these past memories, I Remember that we always had, and I'm not recommending this, but it just some of those, you know, nostalgic moments for an old guy. You know, humor me. Um, nod your head like maybe there's something significant there. We were, we were very poor, just being 
blunt. Uh, wore a lot of hand-me-down clothing. Now, by the time it got to Mark and Parker, the two youngest, usually they were worn out, and they might have get a little bit more new, but sometimes they just get more patches. But despite all of that, we had a newer outfit, each one of us, one, that were designated our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. And, and it came out of some older people's reflections on this passage and others like it that, you know, you're, you're to give God your best. I think it was probably carried too far. But I have some concerns. We may have swung too far the other way. But that's an old man's ramblings, if you want to disregard it. I'm never going to wear to preach the clothes that I wear to my wood shop. They're two different places, two different purposes. Because of my grandmother's upbringing, I'm probably going to wear my newer, nicer looking clothes. And as they wear out, they'll become the old pants that I wear to the shop. That's sort of my progression for clothing usage. It doesn't have to be yours. But the one thing that I would like for us to take out of this passage is be thoughtful. You don't, you don't have to follow my generation's patterns. What am I communicating by what I wear? What am I communicating by what I choose to do? By what I count as valuable enough to invest my time in? For me, finding out someone's hobbies is significant. If I don't know you well and we get to be around each other much at a yard party or something else, don't be surprised if I'm going to ask you, what, what are your hobbies? I'm intrigued by those because those are things you're choosing to do. They're not expected of you. And often that reveals something of passions and history and things that have come before. Years ago, when I was the regular pulpit minister here, uh, David Brangenberg was teaching over at the Middle Tennessee Christian School. Uh, he would get me an invitation to speak in their chapel. And I'm thinking, you know, these are K through 12. They don't want to listen to a traditional sermon. And I was starting back into doing some of the woodworking for Norris Hall, a local artist. And I'd usually carry one of the craziest of the pieces that I'd done for him recently that I still had available. Might even go back and borrow one from him if he still had it. I wanted to capture their attention, but also wanted to see if it could pass on something of this idea that creativity Arts, 
sewing, embroidering, crafts, have a, a special place in the biblical material, even to the very place of dressing the one going into the most holy of all places. How can we give our lives fully and specially to God's glory? That's one of the functions I think the priests serve in concrete ways to model for us even in some of the smallest of details, our lives matter to the creator of the universe. And when we're producing beautiful work, it's a reflection of his beautiful work in us. Human beings honoring him is one of his crowning joys, I believe, from Scripture, especially from the Psalms. Those passages that talk about God dancing over us, celebrating over us. God takes joy when his children are offering him their best. Now, if you feel like your crafting doesn't quite measure up to that mental picture you have, just remember what happens when you go to a grandparent's house. The artwork that's on display on the refrigerator. They love the artist. And the art's just a reflection of them. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you, above all, are creative. And we thank you that you've created us and you've called us to be craftsmen and women in your world. Help us, Lord, to show your glory. Help, help us to give our work, whatever its nature, our, our very best. As unto you. And so, Lord, as we live our lives this week, help us to be salt and light Help our lamps to be on stands giving light to others around us so that they'll see our good deeds and give you praise. In Jesus we pray. Amen.